morning, church. How are we? You know, it's that weird Sunday. Do I say Merry Christmas or Happy Thanksgiving? So Merry Thanksmas to you. I uh, hope you had a good holiday season. Uh, I still remember our first date. So my wife and I will be married 15 years next year, and I still remember our first date. Any of you who've been married for a while still remember that first time you met. Uh, I was studying at UofL. My wife was as well. And so we decided, we, we met, this is when Facebook had just come out, okay, and so we had messaged each other, and so we decided to meet at the Student Activity Center and get some lunch, and so we, we met that day, but that morning when I woke up, I had a question run through my mind, what should I wear? I mean, I'm going to be meeting a beautiful woman, what should I wear? Now, reminder, this is the early 2000s, about 2006, and so getting into my closet, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress to look like the man I think she would want to date. And so I pull out a pair of cargo khaki pants. And if you're like, I don't know what that is, you're too young, just ask your dad. He probably still has a pair. Uh, they're useful. They have side pockets. Anyways, so I put that on. I, I grab a white button down that I'd got at the mall the day before and put on a, a black pea coat. I thought I looked sharp. I'm like, I look like the guy she hopefully wants to date. And so I go and I meet with her. We have a great lunch. She actually buys my lunch, which was even better. All right, she had a meal card, and it was a use or lose system. So she's like, please let me use this money on you. I'm like, sure, well, go ahead. And so she bought my lunch, and uh, you know what's funny is she showed up in jeans and a hoodie. So I don't know what she thought I was wanting out of a woman, but it worked um, because here we are 15 years later, right? We had a great lunch, and we still laugh about that story because there's a piece of that story, a detail that I didn't know about until months later. Months later, I learned something about that day. Do you remember the color shirt I was wearing? What color shirt? Wrong. You thought I was wearing white. I thought I was wearing white. Fun fact, I'm colorblind. And I was actually wearing a pink shirt on our first date. Again, I, the man I thought she would want today apparently wears pink. This is before the real men wear pink fad that has gone around. And so I wore a pink shirt on my first date. I, I recommend that to you. Apparently, it's a good choice. Right? Colors say a lot, don't they? Colors represent a lot of things. We paint our homes different colors. We choose what colors we wear. They say a lot about how we're feeling, about our emotions. The colors say a lot about how we're feeling inside, unless you wear a pink shirt on your first date because you're colorblind, you get a pass on that one. But colors say a lot. They, they, they um, emote a lot of things. And it's no different come Christmas season. Right, we have a lot of colors around Christmas time. It's it's a it's a colorful season, and this morning we launch our colors of Christmas series, where we're going to look at different emotions that we feel throughout the Christmas season, and, and how we navigate that. And this morning we get to start with this color. We get to start with red. We get to start with the color red. Red is a powerful color, so I'm told. Uh, apparently, it is one of the most powerful colors in the color palette. It emotes a lot of things. And one thing that red really represents is anger. But, but red's all around us come, come Christmas time, right? Santa's suit, the swirl in a candy cane, uh, the sweaters some of you are wearing this morning, Fitz's sweater, right? Red represents 
a lot of emotions, and sometimes it represents what's inside of us, the things that people maybe can't see but is there. So let me ask you, anyone wrestle with anger this time of year? Right, it's supposed to be a joyful season, right? Tis the season to be jolly, and yet you're actually just really angry. But maybe people wouldn't know it. Anyone wrestle with anger? And there's lots of different ways that people will cope with anger this time of year. And I came across one method I hadn't seen before that I think maybe we need to bring stateside. This happens in London, started a couple of years ago. Check out how these people deal with their anger. Preparing for Christmas can push some people over the edge, but now there's a solution for everyone who's sick of shopping, decorating, and holiday music. Yeah, take that and that. Welcome to Rudolph's Rage Room in London. People are venting their holiday frustrations. They get a baseball bat and a Christmas-themed jumpsuit, and everyone has their own reasons for being there. Ready, steady. It's the songs. It's the cold weather. I'm a summer guy. By, uh, by this date, I think most people are pretty sick of the Christmas music, all the decorations. I think people are done with it, and they just want to get out some of that stress. Well, there you go. It costs $25 for three minutes inside the Rage Room. <laughs> Any of you feel like you need to visit Rudolph's Rage Room? All right? I'll I tell you what. I'll, make a, I'll charge you half price, $12. You come to the house, and you can take out some frustration. Some of us this time of year feel like we need to visit a place like Rudolph's Rage Room. It's supposed to be a season where we're happy and joyful, but yet we're wrestling, we're triggered, we're, we're, we're in this emotionally angry state. You know, anger is not a new emotion. And the Bible talks about anger a lot. And actually, anger is in the original Christmas story. Anger is right there at the beginning, at the birth. And we're going to pick up today in the story when the wise men visit Jesus. And just so you know, Jesus is not a baby when the wise men visit. That's how the manger scenes are set up, but that's not accurate. Jesus was about two years old. By the time the Magi or the wise men showed up, they had to follow a star from, from afar, and they had to get to him. And so it took some time. And so in this story, Jesus is a child. He's about two years old. And we're going to pick up, and you might discover some anger in this story. Just follow along. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up 
took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, now there's something interesting, a king being outwitted by three wise men, that seems fitting. After he realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So that is the part of the Christmas story that we've all heard, the three wise men, maybe a little different than the traditional, they show up with a little package of gold. No, they, they show up and Herod's ready to kill because of it. I mean, this story has a lot going on. We've got a newborn baby. We've got foreigners visiting. We've got an angry dictator. A lot going on. Would you think it, it is fair to summarize Herod's character like this? Herod was angry. Would you think that would be fair to say Herod was angry? He might have been, might have been some jealousy as well, but he was angry. He was angered to the point that he was willing to murder children. Now, you and I may not may not resonate with murder or with uh, hatred on that level, with, with anger on that level. And I need to explain why Herod had gotten to that point. You see, Jesus challenged his authority. Jesus threatened the authority of Herod. Now, wait a minute. I just told you Jesus was two years old. How could a two-year-old threaten a king? A little backstory here. Herod was considered king of the Jews. In fact, he wasn't even Jewish. He was Arab. Rome had put him over the Jews because he could control them. He was their man. And so he was considered king of the Jews. So when the Magi arrived with this entourage of, of people, of wealthy people, and probably a small army guarding their treasures, he thought they were there to present him a gift. And they said, hey, we want to see the king of the Jews. And he's like, well, you found me. Here I am. And they're like, no, 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 not, not you, the real one. It made him a little angry. Right, And so he tried to get the information out of them. That's why he got so angry. You see, Jesus challenged Herod's authority. That's what motivated him to murder. To keep Jesus from challenging his authority, he would just murder them. In fact, there was a common practice among dictators throughout history is they will actually murder off even members of their own family to avoid them taking away their throne, taking away their power. And so Herod was angered. To the point that he would have children, boys, two years and under, in the area where Jesus was born, murdered. So that there was no chance anybody could challenge him. That's a lot of anger. Probably anger that you and I maybe aren't at a level of, and and hopefully not. If you are, you might want to seek immediate professional help. uh, If you're the sort of angry that Herod was. Let me define anger for you. This is how the Mayo Clinic defines it. Anger is a natural response to a perceived threat. It causes your body to release adrenaline, your muscles to tighten, and your heart rate and blood pressure to increase. Your senses might feel more acute, and your face and hands get flushed. This is the feeling young parents get when you tuck your kids in bed, and then they get up immediately after you've done all the hard work to get them in bed, and you're just, you are irritated to the point of anger because your kid won't stay in the bed. All right, that's, that's what we're talking about, that flush and that, that heart rate. It's, it's like the other day, I was in the Walmart parking lot, and so I'm already triggered. You know that feeling. You just, you go, you're, you're there in that parking lot, and so I'm already a little on edge. And this guy comes barreling through the parking lot, blows through the stop sign, no regard for any other human being on the face of the earth. And I lay on my horn as hard as I can, and I scream because I'm, I'm angry because I've got two kids in the back seat. 
And his reckless behavior just endangered my children. So I don't think my horn was, was improper use. I would say that's righteous anger. Right? I got angry because he was endangering someone. There is an anger that will motivate us toward righteous action, toward, toward behavior that will actually help a situation. Now, if I'd followed through on the rest of my emotion where I wanted to follow him and bright light him and challenge him to a fight, probably not going to be helpful, probably going to be unrighteous anger. But there is anger that can motivate us to do good things and to protect other people. Uh, but if we're honest, how often does, does our anger actually motivate us to righteous action? How often does your anger lead you to do something that's noble? If we're honest, most of us, when we get angry, we do things that we usually regret. We say things that we usually regret. So let me ask you, what makes you angry? What makes you angry? And how do you handle it? Tis the season to be jolly. And yet a lot of us have a lot of red on the inside, a lot of anger And some of you would be highly angry and no one would ever know it because you're really good at hiding it just below the surface. What makes you angry? How do you handle it? So I started thinking about that question. What makes me angry? What makes most people angry? And I kind of decided there's probably two components that, that are probably the root of most of our anger. If we were to pull all of our stories together, I bet it's people and circumstances that trigger our anger the most. Would you agree? When you start thinking about what makes you angry, I bet there's a person or a circumstance that just triggers you and there's an an immediate response, this anger that bubbles up, right? That was Herod's situation. He was angry at Jesus for being born, a circumstance he could not control. And so it prompted him to angry action. And, And during this season, I don't know what may trigger your anger, but maybe you find yourself in one of these situations. Maybe you are a blended family this time of year, and you're navigating the custody situation. Right? Who gets which child for which holiday? Who gets the child on Christmas Eve? Who gets them on Christmas Day? If you're a blended family, you probably know this struggle really well, right? There's a lot of anger that can come about. And by the way, Christmas is on a weekend this year, so I bet that makes the situation even worse. How do you handle that sort of anger? How do you handle that sort of anger? Do you trash your ex in front of the child so that they know you're the better person? Do you buy your, ki- your kids the better gifts so that you look like the hero and the other person looks like the villain? Do you lash out via text or social media? How do you handle a situation that can, that can create a lot of anger and frustration? Maybe for you, you get angry with your dysfunctional family. Maybe for you, you're able to avoid them most of the year. But then some sort of societal pressure says you all have to be in the same room at least twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And you dread it because you know you're going to hate every moment you're with those people. You're still mad at your dad for what he said to you 20 years ago. You're mad that nobody could decide on what day they were going to get together and there was this huge text thread and nobody could make a decision about what anybody was going to do and you're just frustrated with them. Right, tis the season to be jolly. Here we are all together. Isn't this great? So what do you do? How do you manage that anger? Do you just sit in silence and suffer through Thanksgiving and Christmas? 
Right, do you make snide, backhanded comments so you can passively, aggressively let people know you're angry without actually letting them know that you're angry? Right, do, you, do you lash out and hope that you're not invited next year? Right, there's a lot of different ways we handle that anger. Maybe you find yourself this year angry that you've lost a loved one and you can't celebrate the holidays with them. You know, for some people, losing someone they love might, might trigger sadness or grief. For others, it might be anger. You're angry at the situation, the circumstance. You're maybe even angry at God that he would allow your loved one to go. And it's because of that that you can't have joy during this season. How do you handle that anger? Do you alienate yourself, isolate yourself from family so you don't have to deal with your emotion? You bottle it up all inside and just hope that it goes away, it dissipates. Right? There's a lot of people in a lot of different situations where anger will be triggered. Maybe this year your income level didn't match the inflation rate. Anybody feeling that? And you're looking at a kid's Christmas list and you're like, wow, that game system that Johnny wants cost as much as I can afford for all of Christmas, for everyone. And you realize there is absolutely no way you can get that gift. Does that make you angry? That you can't give your child what they want? Does it make you angry that another child's gonna have something your kid can't? What do you do with that anger? How do you handle that? Maybe you're just mad about the whole Christmas season. You're just angry about the whole thing, all the lights, all the presents. You know, you gotta go out and buy a cheap enough gift for a family member that they think you love them, but you don't wanna break the bank at the same time, and so you're trying to navigate this whole thing, and so you're just angry. Jesus is the reason for the season, but you're angry the whole time, right? There's a lot of anger this time of year, so let me ask you again, what makes you angry, and how do you handle it? Herod's anger was triggered because of a person in a circumstance. Jesus was born, and he couldn't control that. And his anger moved him to murder. I want to challenge you and challenge myself this morning with this statement. Don't kill Christmas with your anger. Don't kill Christmas with your anger. All right? Anger will ruin relationships. It will further splinter your family tree. It will harm relationships between adults and with children because children are watching the whole time whether we think they are or not. They're taking in everything. Don't kill Christmas with your anger. And there's so much the Bible has to say about anger. I mean, hundreds of verses that the Bible has to say about anger. There's no way we could go through them all this morning. And so what I want to do is put a resource in your hand that you could have throughout this entire season. So if you would, take out your phone. You can do that in church. It is okay. You can take out your phone. Really, you can do it now. And if you're online, you can take out your phone. And if you wrestle with anger or you know someone that wrestles with anger, I want you to text the word anger to this number. Text the word anger. And don't be, don't be ashamed if someone's watching you text the word anger. I think God might be angry with that they're judging you. I'm joking, sort of, but text the word if you need the help. And what you're going to get is dozens and dozens of verses that deal with how to control anger. How to control anger. So you can read through these. Maybe you take one a day. 
And you just read, read it in the morning when you wake up. You're like, today I'm going to be less angry. And I'm going to read this verse and I'm going to think about it all day long. And when I start to feel angry, I'm going to remember that verse. Maybe you share it with someone. Now, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't send them a message and say, hey, you're an angry person. Read this. That might, that might make them more angry. Maybe you start with, you know, I've been wrestling with a little anger lately, and this verse really helped me. I just wanted to share it with you. Maybe do it in that manner. You don't want to maybe shove it in, in their face. But text the word anger, and you're going to get dozens of verses. Meditate on that. The Bible says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renewal of the mind happens when we read God's word. Puts new thoughts in our mind, which triggers new behavior. And so use that as you go through this Christmas season. Because you know what? Maybe the best gift you could give someone this Christmas is a less angry version of you. Maybe the best gift you could give someone this Christmas is a less angry you. And use those verses to help soften your heart a little bit and be a little less angry. Use those verses. Share them with people that you know might be wrestling with a little bit of anger this season. But I have another question for you today. Let me ask you this. Who had the greatest right to be angry? If you look through history, if you think through history, who had the greatest right to be angry? I mean, surely it's Jesus, right? I mean, here's a child who's born, he's son of God. He lives a perfect life. He never sins, never does anything wrong, and yet has to die for our sin. All right, Jesus had the right to be the angriest person ever. My sin, your sin, put him on a cross. I think he had a right to be angry about that. And yet he chose not to be. Red represents anger. You know what else red represents? Sacrifice. Red also represents sacrifice. Here's a truth maybe we need to hold on to this Christmas season. The man who had the right to be most angry with you, most angry with me, chose to sacrifice himself. Think about that. The man who had the right to be the most angry chose not to punish out of anger, but instead chose to sacrifice himself. I know what I've done. I know the sins I've committed. He knows the sins I'm going to commit. And yet he chose to love me and sacrifice himself. That's a truth I hope we hold on to this Christmas. Peter says it this way. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So when we feel angry, we really got to question why. Because the man who had the right to be the most angry chose not to be. And I know what I've done. I'm sure you do too. So how could I be angry if he chose not to be? I hope this Christmas, we won't kill Christmas with our anger. I hope you'll give someone the gift of a less angry you because I want to give you that truth one more time. The man who had the right to be most angry with you and with me chose to sacrifice himself instead. Given that truth, how can we be anything but joyful this Christmas? Peter calls us to model this. 
To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. As we go through this season, work on your anger. Use those verses. Transform your mind through meditation of God's word. Don't kill Christmas with your anger. Give someone the gift of a less angry you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for not being angry with me, but for loving me. I know what I've done in my life. I know the pain that I've caused you and others. You know the sins I'm going to commit, and yet you choose to love me in spite of that. God, that moves me and that motivates me to work on my anger because I know that you had a right to be and you chose not to be. God, I pray for everyone in this room this morning that that we'll work on our anger this, this Christmas season, that we'll use your word to prompt new thoughts and new behavior. May we give the gift of a less angry version of ourself to others this Christmas. Thank you for your word this morning, God. Thank you for truth that will set us free. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.